Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about James the Great. Welcome to the God's Peculiar People podcast, where we learn about the lives and characteristics of God's people. Jesus chose 12 disciples, but among those 12, there were three who formed what are called the inner circle. These three men were Peter, James, and John. Now we've looked at Peter, and John will be the last disciple we look at, so today we will focus on James. Referred to as James the Great by commentators, scholars, to distinguish him from James the son of Alphaeus, uh, who's also known as James the Less, there are thoughts that the term greater could also mean that he was taller or perhaps older than James the son of Alphaeus. But regardless, we're going to refer to him as James the Great so that I don't get confused with James the son of Alphaeus. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us that James was a fisherman. He was washing nets when Jesus called him with his brother John to be his disciple. And like Peter and Andrew, these two brothers also immediately left all to follow Jesus. Now, these brothers, James and John, were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder by Jesus. Now, with everything we've talked about, there is speculation as to why Jesus gave them this name. Their temperament, religious fervor, or their boldness? Any of those could have been the reason. But one story that gives credence to their name is found in Luke 19. Jesus had purpose to travel through Samaria to Jerusalem, and the Samaritans would not receive him. This upset James and John, who in verse 54 of that chapter, ask Jesus, Lord, wilt thou that we command a fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? They had been given power by God to act as messengers for Jesus, but they were a little too eager to use their power in a way, and at a time, they believed was fitting. Jesus reminded the brothers in verses 55 and 56 that the Son of Man is come not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. In the moment the brothers forgot the goal was to save men's life, not to destroy them when they rejected. That was going to happen. <laughs> Another passage, Mark 10, 35-45, James and John asked permission to sit on Jesus' right and left hands in glory. This petition on behalf of the brothers obviously irked the other ten, but it was a wonderful teaching opportunity. Jesus reminded the disciples that whosoever would be great among them would be their minister, but whosoever would be chiefest among them would be servant of all. We notice that James' name was listed first in each of these passages. This could be because James was the main person asking the questions or having the ideas, or it may simply be that James was the elder, and so his name was written first because of age between him and John. Either way, it would be easy to attribute the main thought, these questions and ideas to James, because much of John's life was, seems calm and thoughtful. But remember, after Jesus was arrested, John walked right into the palace to find out what would happen to Jesus, so we see his boldness as well. Now, little beyond these two occurrences is known about James. The other times he appears specifically are the three occurrences when Jesus allows only Peter, James, and John to accompany him. The first of these occurrences is in Mark 5, 37-43, when Jesus raises a girl from the dead. The second is in Matthew 17, 1-13, which is shortly after predicting his death in Matthew 16, takes the three of them up into a mountain where he is transfigured before them. Here, Peter, James, and John see Jesus speaking with Moses and Elijah, and a voice from heaven tells them, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And finally, Peter, James, and John were asked by Jesus to come apart and pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. James was there when Jesus raised the people from the dead, when Jesus was transfigured to his eternal glory, and finally he was there when Jesus prayed in Gethsemane before the betrayal, trial, and crucifixion. 
Following Jesus' resurrection and appearing to the disciples, we read in John 21 that one day, Peter decides he was going fishing. Several of the disciples, James and John included, joined him. They fished all night on the Sea of Tiberias, but caught nothing. For three years, we read of the disciples following Jesus. It seems that in all that time, they had left fishing behind. But after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, for this one night, they seemed unsure what to do with themselves. For three years, they had had Jesus there to encourage, lead, and guide them. But following his resurrection, he was not solely with them. So for one night, these fishermen returned what is familiar, something they had done, perhaps since boyhood, fishing. Yet the night was a bust. They caught nothing, until when morning was coming, a voice from shore asked if they had any meat. To their negative response, the voice instructed, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. The men obeyed, and the net became so full of fish, they could not pull it into the boat. They realized that the voice on the shore was Jesus, and all returned to shore. Jesus had prepared for them bread and fish on the fire. They had spent all night toiling for nothing. It was only with Jesus' instruction that they caught any fish. Yet when they came to shore, food was ready, prepared for them. This is a reminder that God would supply their needs. From this we see Jesus as the provider. Without him the disciples could do nothing. As they went out into the world to share the gospel, they could not do it on their own. They needed the Lord's direction and provision, which we see Jesus illustrating to them here. For a night they lost sight of their purpose to be fishers of men, but we don't read of that happening again. In fact, in the case of James in Acts 12, 1-2, we read that King Herod, to please the Jews, had James killed. James, the first of the disciples to lose his life, served the Lord for about nine years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We know he was faithfully serving. Because Acts 12.1 says that Herod wanted to vex certain of the church. He was obviously someone the people paid attention to, because he drew the attention of Herod. There's not much to know about James, but Jesus saw something in him to draw him close, and we should take the time to learn what we can from James the Great. So we spoke briefly about James, and now we're going to talk about his brother John. I plan to do these as two separate podcasts, but when I realize how little there is to talk about James common theme. Uh, I figured we might as well talk about John in conjunction with James, just combine them together. Uh, so I want to begin by reading John 1 verses 1 and 2, which says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Each of the Gospels is written with the purpose to highlight an attribute or characteristic of Christ. And the disciple or apostle John wrote the 21 chapters that highlight for us today the deity of Jesus Christ. Some of the most well-beloved and well-known passages of scripture are found in John. Verses like John 3.16, 8.12, 11.35, John 14.1-7, and 19.30. But who was John? John, like Peter, James, and Andrew, was a fisherman. And we learn in John 1 verses 35 through 40 that he was a follower of John the Baptist. From the Gospel of John, the author, John the disciple, chooses to omit his name. The focus is to be on Christ, not on himself. John, like Andrew, who we discussed earlier in the year, was there at the River Jordan on the day John the Baptist baptized Jesus. He heard John declare, This is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John and Andrew spent the evening speaking with Jesus, and at that point, John became a disciple of Jesus. We read in Mark 1, 19-20 of Jesus officially calling John to be a disciple, later an apostle. John and his brother James were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending nets. But when Jesus called, they left their father, their boats, and their servants to follow Jesus. We often think of fishermen as being rough and coarse. 
Peter rather fits that image. But John is different. We read in Acts 4.13 that Peter and John are both referred to as unlearned and ignorant men. Yet, we also read in John 18 verse 15 that John was known unto the high priest and was able to walk right into the palace. There are various thoughts on this. Some think, of course, it was not John at all, but another unnamed disciple who walked in. Mm, okay. John was actually from a prominent family. Possibly. John's family provided fish to the high priest's home. Possibly. Now, we're going to stick with the thought that this is John, but why John would be known to the high priest is unclear. The, the, the hypothesis that maybe it is because they provided fish to the family, that kind of makes sense. But whether it is, I don't know. And it's not necessarily that he's known to the family, but that he's known to the servants. So that would kind of make sense. That potentially, if they were providing fish to the high priest's household, then they would be in communication with the servants, and he would have the access to be able to just walk right in. Is that the actual answer? I don't know, but it is a thought. But I believe it helps us to see that John is not the common fisherman we imagine. He was maybe a little bit more refined than Peter. Previously, in looking at James, we discussed the occasions that the brother's boldness was maybe a bit inappropriate. You'll hear that earlier in this episode. And John was also part of the three, Peter, James, and John, who were in Jesus' inner circle. In Mark 9, verses 38 through 41, we read of John telling Jesus, We saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbade him, because he followeth not us. Did you notice that John twice mentions us? This is the correct idea, because when we confess our need of a Savior, we are one with Christ. Uh, but Jesus tells John not to forbid this man, reminding John, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. Five times in the Gospel of John, John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. In my opinion, I don't believe John refers to himself in this manner to brag, but because he personally realized that Jesus loved him. John writes in John 3.16, For God so loved the world. John, like the other disciples, did not fully grasp that Jesus' purpose in coming to earth was to come to die. But he did grasp that Jesus loved him. In John 19, verses 25 through 27, we find one of the instances of Jesus calling himself the disciple whom Jesus loved as he stood nearby and watched Jesus' crucifixion. Mary was also there. As the eldest son, it would have fallen to him, Jesus, to care for his mother. Jesus tells John to care for Mary, and we read that from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. And an interesting fact, I just realized... <laughs> that we read that John has a house. We know from earlier in the Gospel that uh, Peter and Andrew have a house, and we read of Matthew asking Jesus to eat as his home, and now we see here that John has a home. I never realized that, but yeah, he has a home. Good, good to know. Um, and so it was bestowed on John the responsibility of caring for Mary. One of the final tasks that, you know, as a son, providing for his mother was an important thing to do for, for Jesus. And so his means of provision is to ask John to care for his mother. Now, John also has to his credit the writing of one gospel and three epistles and the enormous task of recording what he was shown for the book of Revelation. We read more of John and his boldness to stand for Christ in the early pages of Acts. Now, after Acts 8, verse 14, when Peter and John were sent to Samaria, we do not read of John the Apostle and his actions again. Tradition has it that John was in Ephesus. 
He was then sent to Rome and cast into a cauldron of boiling oil from which he came out alive. He was then banished to the Isle of Patmos, which fact is made clear in Revelation 1 verse 9. He was recalled from his banishment and is believed to be the only one of the twelve who escaped a violent or martyr's death. Now it does feel like we have skimmed very quickly over the life of John, but this series on the apostles was meant to just be an overview of their lives. And in the future, we will come back and visit some of the apostles again and take a deeper dive into their lives, their interactions, what they said. Uh, we will look at that more in the future. So I want to thank you for joining me in this look at the 12 disciples of Jesus this year. Now, this year is rapidly coming to a close, and for the next few weeks, we will be doing some Christmas-themed episodes, and then we'll wrap up the year in the most popular episode we put out in 2023. So, hopefully you will enjoy that. We have some big plans for 2024, some new resources we're hoping to put out, some new ideas we want to try. So, be on the lookout. Probably the end of this year, beginning of January, we'll have an episode that talks about that. Could be a special separate episode. We'll see. I haven't decided yet. Uh, but we will have an episode talking about what we're hoping to do, some programs, some ways you can help us with the podcast. And you can always help us by sharing this podcast with friends or by leaving a comment, if you're able to leave comments, or just by leaving a star rating here on Spotify. Spotify, um, however your podcast platform allows you to do that. But we would greatly appreciate you sharing us uh, with friends. It'd be a great Christmas gift to us if uh, we were shared with more people. So we would greatly appreciate that. But we do have some great ideas for the, the new year, hoping everything will work out so we can do at least half of them, hopefully. Uh, but we will talk to you guys uh, in the future. Have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you guys next time.